And then the big thing has been my own desire to keep expanding and growing because I, I realized probably a good five years ago that if I was willing to continue to grow, then my business would grow. So um, I grow, my business grows, and then I started to connect the dots that as my personal life got better, my professional life would improve too. crap and brush away any photoshopping to give you an unfiltered look at what it's like to live a coaching life. I've seen today's guest around in the same coaching communities as me for quite some time, a few years, and um, I think we've even been certainly to at least one coaching event together, but never really connected as such there. And I know she's been in this game for a long time, whilst at the same time, keeping it very real so I got curious about her um, seen some of her posts um, got curious and thought okay let's use this platform this podcast to find out a little more about her so let's do that hello and a big welcome to Melissa Ford hello hi Phil thanks for having me oh thank you thank you um, yeah so can you just tell us a little bit about your backstory really what what got you into the profession of coaching yeah. So it started a long time ago. Uh, it was probably about 25 years ago. And what happened for me was that I was struggling as a parent. So I like to tell people I birthed my ultimate opportunity, my son, who is going to be 29 soon. And I, I really thought parenting was going to be easy. And uh, then my son Max came along and I realized that he wasn't going to do it my way, whatever I thought that way was supposed to be. And at some point, um, it became very clear to me very, very early on that if I didn't uh, figure out what was going on, by the time he was older, um, we wouldn't have a relationship. So I was highly, highly motivated to start looking at what could I do differently. And that's when it all started for me. So at that point, I was um, exploring and really starting to see that how the world worked wasn't the way that I thought it was working. And that began my journey into coaching. So how specifically? Um, can you give us a little bit more detail about that? Sure. So, um, you know, who I was back then was someone that um, I really thought that I was reasonable and rational and the things that I were I was asking for in terms of him and his behavior, that he should just do those things. And I didn't understand that uh, people couldn't make me unhappy. I didn't understand that... Um, uh, I didn't understand that I was responsible for how I felt in relationships. And so I really had it backwards. Like I think that 98% of the people in the world do. And then when I started to really get that, what I was thinking was creating my world and creating my experience, how I felt and how I behaved, then things started to shift for me. So generally that's what was going on. And then specifically it was just me really, um, learning how to have a relationship with somebody who was probably very much like me, even though I perceived they were very different from me. So I'm also curious what, what was really going on career-wise, career-wise career, career, rise, career wise for you during that time. I so, mean, how, how, what, yeah. did it, what did it look like really from, I get what was happening there from the inside, and I can certainly relate to that. What did that look like from the outside? Well, career-wise, I wasn't really coaching at that point. So I was learning about myself. I was learning how my thinking worked. I was learning how to get along with people. And I was so excited about the new ideas that I was gathering that I connected with another woman. And she and I started trying to put on workshops and create 
uh, one-on-one clients. We didn't even call that creating one-on-one clients back then, but we were trying to, to uh, fill workshops and we were highly unsuccessful. <laughs> and it was really bad. And even back then, um, and this was this was really pre-internet. So this is in the 90s. And the way that we would go out and disseminate information would be to hang up flyers in laundromats and coffee shops and public libraries and call people's answering machines and leave voicemails. I mean, and that's how we would try to fill these groups. And we wouldn't fill the group. So what often would end up happening is she would invite her relatives to these groups that we would do. And we'd run these groups for either free or, you know, 20 bucks or something. And that's what we were doing. So that's how it first started for me. And it was really, really slow going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how did that, how did that progress? And I'm I'm really curious here, you know, because yes, it feels like those are very, very different times. Like, how do you feel a coaching practice without Facebook? Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you can actually. You don't even need Facebook. But uh, yeah. yeah, it was yeah. it was really different then. I think, um, I think the idea that I had was because I was so excited about it, everybody else would. So I was really faced with, it didn't matter how enthusiastic I was, a lot of people really weren't interested in these ideas. And it was back, it was back in the Stone Age when you would talk about limiting beliefs and people would want to know what religion I was referring to. So it was really a hard time and coaching hadn't come into mainstream, into the mainstream yet. It might have been at the executive level, but it really, I don't even think coaching was a word back then. So that's what it looked like. And for the longest time, um, we would just write all this content. My friend's name is Karen Taylor, and she and I would get together and we, we'd write all these workshops and we had all this content, but nothing was happening. So that's what it looked like for me very early on. And I spent a good dozen years trying to create uh, workshops and fill them to to no success I, we we didn't have any success with it at all so presumably you had um you, you had a, a a career other than the personal development stuff going on you were in you're in you had a uh, in the legal profession is that right mm-hmm. yeah i practiced law for about 10 years and then i um had my two children i was raising my children i was trying to create these workshops and then i was um doing work for my husband's business i was doing a lot of different things part time with always the hope that somehow i'd be able to get this profession going so to keep going at it for you know 12 years or more that's quite incredible so when did things really start to change at least i'm guessing there wasn't just one big epiphany and suddenly you found yourself inundated with clients so i mean i mean i'm curious about you know when did the start of the upward curve start to occur so the the start of it happened back in 1995 and then nothing happened for about a dozen years so in 1995 as i'm driving around with my friend karen and we're hanging up these flyers, trying to get people into our workshops, she says to me, oh my gosh, you've got to listen to this cassette. So now we're back in the land of cassettes. You've got to listen to this cassette. I came across this guy, and he just has this amazing distinction you have to listen to. It's called owner versus victim. Oh, there it is. (laughs) Right? And she pops into her cassette player of her car. And by the way, it's a hot Chicago summer day, so we've rolled her windows down because it's, you know, she doesn't have air conditioning. I'm really dating myself here. She pops the cassette in, and I hear, hi, this is Steve Chandler. Hi, this is Steve Chandler. Steve Chandler. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I hear that, and I'm not so taken with the distinction. I'm blown away by this guy because he really doesn't care how he's coming off. (laughs) He's tripping and fumbling over some words. And I'm thinking, he didn't edit that stuff out? That's strange. And I'm listening to him. And 
he really, it, it felt like this guy was the male version of me, except he was relaxed being who he was. And I was consumed with looking like I had it together, getting it perfect, uh, trying to impress. Yeah. And it just blew me away. And, and I remember when I was done listening to that, for some reason, I filed it back somewhere in and then towards the end of 2008, 2009, I was at a place where I thought, if I can't figure out how to make this coaching thing work, I'm going to at least die trying. I mean, it was that dramatic. So at that point, I emailed him. I don't even remember how I remembered his name. I might have even reached back to my friend and said, who is that guy? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't even know. And I emailed him and he responded to me. So that was the beginning of it turning around, but it was a very slow beginning because um, I've been working with Steve now for almost 10 years. And when I first met him, I was way behind the eight ball, just in terms of my understanding about how to create a client. I had no idea what service meant, which is his hallmark of really how he lives his life and how he creates clients and builds his business. So that... 95 was was a seed was planted but nothing happened till many many years later wow well wow. i know and, and it's funny really I, I mean it's really cool to hear you describe him and what you were hearing back then you know because i, I i'm not sure he won't mind me saying this but i'd met him in person for the first time at an event in la in 2013 and um yeah i, I would probably describe him exactly as you described him on that tape and I just thought I remember thinking at the time I was entertaining this thought well yeah but he's probably like that he probably doesn't give a shit so much nowadays how he comes across because he's you know already has a great career and what have you but it sounds like maybe it's always been like that well I'm sure it hasn't always been like that but it's I'm sure that I'm sure that that's been simply been part of how he's created what he has created rather than it being a result of it yeah, I agree. And as as long as I've known him and known of him, this is how he's been. And I'm so grateful for it because it was, like I said, it was such a problem for me. Um, so much focus on myself and how I was coming off and what people thought about me and, you know, was I the expert? So to have somebody who didn't even have that focus, it's like, my gosh, if he can do it, yeah. well, maybe I can. Yeah, all, getting rid of all that I, 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 I stuff uh, for me. That was uh, that weekend was a real like wake up call, slap around the face. <laughs> mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So um, what happened when you started working with Steve? I get that that was probably the thing that you were seeing first off. Kind of what happened next? How did things start to change? So. When I first, so I started, I first started working with him and um, I purchased 10 sessions from him and he told me that I could use them before he was dead. <laughs> but I not remember, after. <laughs> yeah, not after. Yeah, good point. And I remember thinking, how old is this guy and do I need to use them quickly? And, but I, 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 again, I was in such a desperate place that I was like, whatever, fine, you know, and I bought them. I was panicked about it, spending that kind of money. You know, I was the coach without a coach. I really didn't understand what coaching can do, yet I was amazing and people were going to pay me. So I start working with him and I eked those sessions out over 18 months okay. and nothing happened. My life didn't transform. I had some nice chats with Steve and that was about it. Because I didn't get that I was the one who was supposed to um, create the change. I was waiting for it to happen to me. I have these 10 sessions, and then uh, Steve says to me, I think that what might be a really great idea is you join my coaching prosperity school. And that's what he called ACS before he shifted it to advanced client systems. And I was very skeptical you know, what is this coaching prosperity school? And he said to me, this is what it is. And you fly to three different locations. And we learn about how to create clients and make money and all that. And so I did exactly what I've experienced many prospective clients do, which is, you know, I'll think about it. 
And so I thought about it and I thought it was a really bad idea because he was wanting me to invest money when I didn't have money and there was no guaranteed ROI. So why the heck would I do this? I just thought this isn't a really good idea. And I told him that at some point and then he said, yep, okay, I hear you. And about a week later, I get an email from him and it has one question. And he says, Melissa, when are you going to stop living like you're never going to die? (laughs) And I remember catching my breath, like I could hardly breathe. And I read it again. And as often has been my experience with Steve for all these years, I'm like, damn, he's right. And then I just said, I, I, I don't know if I called him or I emailed him like, okay, I'm doing this. And I remember later talking to him and saying, you know, why not a webinar? Why not something that's easier? Maybe a small group coaching online. And and his answer was awesome. He said, you know, if I make this easy for you, like you just put on your robe and your slippers and you shuffle down the hallway so you can sit in front of your home computer, you're not going to show up. And I want the person there, I want that version of you that's going to show up and turn this into a business. Yeah. I was like, wow. And it's true. And that was, pro- that was the beginning of things changing for me because I started to see that it didn't matter that my business plan was to be this awesome coach where I was so amazing and you know, as one of my friends would say, I was the old lady on the hut in the hut on the hill, and people would flock for miles around. That was my business plan, but nobody came because I had no idea about creating relationships or service. I had no, I had no idea what that meant. So since I didn't know how to sell my coaching, nothing was happening for me. And then that was the beginning of me learning. Okay, I can sell through service. And that that's how I can get into somebody's life and to start helping them. And that's when my business slowly began to shift. Yeah. And, 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 and so obviously I relate to that as well. I've been through Steve's um, ACS in four years ago now, 2014. It's definitely up there. It's one of the one of the best things I've ever done, not just not just in professional training, just one of the best things I've ever done. It's a wonderful community that, that, that just love, absolutely love the focus. Mm-hmm. Um entirely on service as you say there's and um yeah this steve's masterful at catching when the focus is on us rather than how can we be of service and and help others such a such an important shift such an important shift you've done it you've you've been through that school a number of times right Mm mm-hmm yeah do you know know how many (laughs) seven Seven, wow. Six, seven, something like that, yeah. And uh, I remember being in one ACS where there was a guy, he he showed up for just one ACS, and he sat there, and and at the very first month, he's watching all of us, and I think at that time, maybe I was in my, you know, round three or four of ACS, and at the end of the six months, he confessed to the group that the first – weekend that he was with everybody he thought to himself oh my gosh i've gotten myself into the remedial group these people who are they i mean why is this taking them so long and we all just laughed at it and <laughs> because for me it took a really long time again because i didn't understand the idea of being a professional coach i didn't know what that meant and i certainly had no idea about helping somebody before they paid me it didn't make any sense to me, and it was totally counterintuitive. You know, I wanted to be paid, and then then I'd help them. And you know what? There's a there's a funny to me. There's a there's an element of paradox in that, right? Because um, I remember there's a real turning point for me. Carolyn Freire Jones was on the faculty, um, and in the ACS that I did, and there was one particular. I think it was the middle weekend where I had one client that I had been helping, but I think I'd had something like four or five sessions with her. And, and you know, Carolyn was just like, well, when are you going to step forward and be a professional coach? Mm. That was it. I mean, what do you what do you have to really to say about that? Can you speak to that? At what, what point do we know, okay, it's, it's proposal time? 
Yeah. Well, you know, that takes that takes developing um, as a coach. It, t- it just it just takes takes a while for different people. So I, I learned that over time. It wasn't like in one moment I woke up and said, well, what am I going to be a professional coach? But, but now for me, um, and, and I usually don't propose to people. I'm clear about what I'd offer if they'd ask me. And sometimes, and again, you know, it's not, it's, it's not just a general rule where I don't propose. Sometimes I might say to somebody, why don't we do this? Would you like to work together? I might do that, but um, really what I do is when I have a session with someone, I'm looking for there to be some shift, some something that happens for them, some transformation, some change where they start to see, wow, I mean, this is really what it's like if I have Melissa in my life. Mm. And if I don't see that, then what I do is, um, it, 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 you know, and depending upon my calendar and what's going on, but what I'll do is I'll um, have them create some homework for themselves. Usually that's what, what will happen. They can go away and do it and then we can come back and we can have another conversation. Because I'm curious, how coachable are they? Are they going to go do this? You know, what's happening for them? And I treat them as if we're already working together. But until I see some kind of shift, um, I know that proposing is going to be way too soon. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's how I work. Mm. Yeah. So apart apart from um, Steve, obviously had a massive um, influence and, and Mm. your, coaching and your practice and your business and, and I'm sure your life overall um is there anyone anyone or anything else that has had an influence over how you coach oh absolutely um when I first started working with Steve I mean he's like my Robert Holden your Robert Holden yeah you know Steve Chandler and when I first started working with him I just really thought this idea of service was you know wink wink sales. <laughs> and I, um, so I, I, I didn't really buy into what he was telling me. And so I went off in another direction and I, uh, went with a program where I studied for a year with a group of people on how to sell from the stage, because, you know, I was going to learn about this money thing. And that had a huge influence on me because I realized at the end of that year and traveling to different places for workshops for uh, this group of people, I realized I really did not want to have to depend on people's emotional buying habits. I didn't want to. I didn't want to work and manipulate and 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 try to utilize people's emotional buying habits to get them to want to have coaching. So that had a huge influence on me. So some of the things that I did that later I decided Mm-mm, don't want to do that. They were good for me to go do. I also um, worked with another coach and he really pushed me and I pushed myself inside of that because I wanted a framework and I wanted language and I wanted to raise my fee and I was so scared. So this person helped me a lot, but at the end of that time working with him, I realized I've got to go back and figure the service thing out. That's the big missing. So those kinds of things influenced me early on. It was something called the Option Institute, which is in the western part of Massachusetts. That was my first uh, introduction into, you know, I'm living in a thought-created world. I've since gone on and I've studied at Byron Katie and I've done 3P with Linda and George Pransky and Barb Patterson, which has been incredible. So all of those people have been an influence for me. And then the big thing has been my own desire to keep expanding and growing because I I realized probably a good five years ago that if I was willing to continue to grow, then my business would grow. So um, I grow, my business grows, and then I started to connect the dots that as my personal life got better, my professional life would improve too. 
so all all of that has been an influence all over all these years, as well as, you know, parenting. And I've been married for thir- 33 years, all of those things. How do you think the impact of your coaching has developed and changed? Hmm. Um, when you say the impact, you mean, do I think my coaching's improved or? I, I, I guess I want to, because I, I, I'm sitting here and thinking, I mean, I relate so much to um, the training you've done. I've immersed myself in, you know, some stuff that was really around money creation and it that didn't sit very, very well with me. Um, yeah, I've been around the three principles communities for a number of years. Um, and I, I, I guess, okay, so my answer to that question, if that will help you understand the question, would be that... Um, I I think I'm just following my curiosity with my clients much more rather than to lead them in a particular direction. And from that, I don't know, it's hard, actually it is hard to put in words. There's just some magic that seems to show up in mm-hmm. just following that curiosity. Do you relate to that? Yeah, I do. I do. So it's curiosity. I call it my intuition. Mm-hmm. Um I, I definitely have to say the the over time, the more comfortable I've become with who I am, the less focus I have on myself, the more compassion I have developed with myself and other people. That just totally uh, has changed my coaching around, and, and I've been coached. So as I've gotten coached, I've had you know I've had somebody who's shining a light on. Well, what about this? What about this? So. I've, I've been able to grow um, rapidly. And I just, I just have to say I'm probably more honest. I'm definitely more direct. Mm-hmm. I, but I do it in a way where, you know, I'm not cracking somebody over the head with a two-by-four. Uh, so, yeah, it's my intuition. It's, it's, asking, it's asking permission in some cases. It, and, again, it also depends on my relationship with the person, have we been together for a while? Is this somebody who's brand new? Have they ever been coached before? Um, I don't know if that answers it for you, Phil, but right. I've got to, you know, just just me continuing to uh, be coached and change myself has has made all the difference in the level of coaching I bring to my clients. And, you know, what I noticed, probably even in my question, and I'm sure it's the case for some people listening to this, because I get asked the same question from this place of, looking for the fix rather than the evolution because i think mm. as a coach we do evolve right and we have to we have to allow that process of evolution i don't think there is well there aren't many quick fixes as such sure we can have insights and um you know wake up calls and learn from failures and maybe we'll come back come to that in a second but um i can see that uh, i mean i i started coaching 2005 was the first time I got paid for a session coaching. Mm. So what's that? 12, 13 years. Um, and I can just see, yeah, it is an evolution. There's been spikes, if you like, in that. There's been you no know, real steps. Um, but overall, it is, it's certainly an evolving journey. And I know that I'm a very, very different coach now to, well, actually, probably even two years ago. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I had a... I had a, a call with a client that maybe I hadn't spoken to in, I don't know, five or six months. And as we're having this particular conversation, at one point he stops me and he goes, what's changed with you? <laughs> and, I, and I thought that was so great because uh, a lot, and, and you've probably experienced this, I can look at who I was six months ago and I don't even know that person. So that's, for me, that's the good addiction of coaching because, boy, not only can I not skip my evolution, but once I start to get out of my way and um, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I see something new and I don't judge myself for it. If I do, I don't hang out there too long. I can just, you know, the, the learning curve is exponential. Yeah. And it's so much fun. Yeah, absolutely. Totally relate to that. So uh, I'm curious then as well, you can see that you've changed you've evolved do you think you see your clients differently are you looking at your clients differently yes definitely um 
I see, I see my clients as much more capable. Mm. I see they already have their answers. And that sounds like such pat coaching lingo. <laughs> but I, you know, like, oh, you're your own best expert. Nobody knows you better than you. But I mean, I really get it now. And that doesn't mean I may not have a really great idea. And could I share it? And it's an option. What do you think? But I just have so much more um, trust and uh, knowing and belief in somebody's ability to shift something for themselves. And what I like about that now for myself is that because that's so, it's conveyed in the conversation. And, you know, somebody would say, oh, well, you know, um, you know, it's always been like that. And such a Byron Katie question, but I just adore it. Is it true? Mm -hmm. Tell me more. Or, you know what, I, I, my guess would be that isn't so. What do you think? Or I used to believe that. I don't anymore. Why do you believe it? And, and it's, just, it's just fun you yeah. know, to, to be in a place where I'm not responsible for saving anybody. I'm not responsible for coming up with a fix because there is no fix and you don't need to get fixed. And I'm not responsible for you having a great coaching session. I'm here to bring everything that I can. Now, what are you going to do with this? Yeah, beautiful. And you know what? It's so much more fun, isn't it? Looking at the client's potential rather than ruminating on our own perceived shortcomings. Oh, my gosh. Thank goodness. <laughs> I know, because there are a lot of shortcomings. And the more I ruminate on them, they get bigger. Yeah. So what do you think some of your... Um, yeah, failures, perhaps, failures in air quotes that have helped you to succeed. Oh, gosh. Oh, let's see. Well, I mean, there's so many. I, I, could, <laughs> I could pick early on. I mean, this was, you know, I was listening to your interview with Matt... Um, Matt Watkins. Thank you, Matt Watkins. And he was talking about how he was trying to avoid discomfort. Mm. And, um, and I, I, when I was listening to that, I was thinking, gosh, I did that too, because that's why I hid out for so long. I just didn't really want to get uncomfortable. I, I, I was somebody who didn't like to learn and I had to learn how to learn. Um, and learning how to learn means you have to be willing to fail. And then I had to be willing to see that failure isn't failure. It's just I didn't get what I wanted. Right. And I had to be willing to step into those places. So one of one of the, uh, and I wouldn't say it's one of my failures, but it's where I, I took steps to fail. So what I did was, and this is just one of the many things that I did, but one of the things I um, had been inspired by a woman who wanted to create for herself a happiness jar. And it was off of Facebook. And she said she would have little slips of paper and she would put the date on a slip of paper when somebody had made her happy. And at the end of the year, she'd open up the jar and she'd look through all these wonderful things about happiness in her life. It was kind of like a happiness gratitude jar. And back then, being my skeptical, cynical self, I was like, nobody makes you happy. I can't believe that this woman would do this. And in that minute, I got this inspiration to create a scary jar. Oh, wow. And yeah, because... I knew the only way for me to grow was to face the things that I used to scare the bleep out of myself with. I was just like, I'm, you know, it would scare me. And I remember sharing that with Steve and he kept saying, oh, that's not a good idea. I wouldn't do that. Well, I was so sure it was the thing to do that I did it for two and a half years. And I totally (laughs) ignored what he said, because again, you can't skip your evolution. And what I did was I had this beautiful glass uh, pitcher that had this pewter lid to it. Next to it, I had, you know, I had to run around and get all this stuff, the markers and the slips of paper. And then I would pass it, I, I would pass this jar, it was sitting on my counter in my kitchen. I didn't have any rule about, um, oh, I should do three scary things a day. I just thought, I'm going to play this game. And the point of the game is if something comes and I feel fear, I'm going to do it, but not 
to prove that I'm going to get what I want, but to simply prove to my subconscious mind I'm not going to die. And I started, and it included anything professionally, it included things in my personal life, and I would think, you know, that client, that prospective client didn't respond to my email, what would be scary, sending it again, and asking them if they'd like to talk. So I'd put the date down, I'd write that down, I'd put that little piece of paper in the scary jar, and off I'd go. And I did it over and over and over and I could start to see I was still breathing. <laughs> and, and, you know, and you could look at that jar as just a lot of failure, but really for me, it was just a lot of growth. And at the end of the, you know, six months into the year and at the end of the year, I'd sit down and I open it up and some of those things still seem scary to me and other ones I would laugh at them because they weren't scary anymore. I could just do it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. You know, it kind of it reminds me actually. So somebody somebody sent me a, a a meme last year in a personal message. Just sent me this meme that said um, it said something like, "Hey, look at you, um, getting over that person you couldn't you thought you couldn't live without. There you are, breathing and shit." <laughs> and I thought that's just so funny. All right? Yeah, that's good. That's great. Yeah, that's what that that's that's what that was. And then there were there were other failures too. I mean, um, one was that I was convinced that I had such a problem with money um, because the coaches I had hired were men. Don't you like that story? And so they couldn't, they couldn't understand. And so what I needed to do was to hire a female coach who knew everything about money and then she'd be able to help me. <laughs> and uh, I was like, you're, I was like Matt, you know, I was, I, I was going to throw whatever money I needed to throw at it, but put, but put my action behind it. And I'll never forget that, that because I had this amazing epic failure conversation with this coach. And I told her my big story about my biggest belief was that I can't do this. I cannot do this. I can't make money. I don't know how to do it. I can't figure it out. So I'm sharing this with her. I have a 20 minute free consultation and I've got, you know, I've written down all my notes and finally I take a breath of air. I've got five minutes left and I ask her to help me. And she says, she can't. <laughs> and I remember thinking, well, why can't you help me? What? And I asked her, why can't you help me? And she goes, oh, honey, I just don't know. And I wasn't going to take that for an answer. So I said to her, well, if guess, if you would guess and you don't have to be right, what would the answer be? Because I was devastated, Phil. You know, I'm sitting here thinking I'm totally screwed. I'm never going to get this thing and money's always going to be a problem. And, uh, there was this pause, and then she said to me, because you're so committed to your story that you can't. Yeah. And um, she was right, and that was a turning point. Mm-hmm. You know, being told, I can't help you because you're devoted to the story about yourself. Um, that's, that's, I love that. that. That begs the question that I often ask here is um, what kind of client are you? Because I know some people that I've worked with and, and you know, there's, there's always one person that comes to mind. It really didn't work out how I liked. And um, that's probably four or five years ago now, but at the time it was early on for me. And even though all the signs were there, don't do it, don't do it. I still did it. And this person was like white knuckle gripping on to her stories <laughs> Yeah. And and still does today, I think. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I guess, what kind of client are you? Today, what kind of client am I? Oh, yeah, but that, even better. What kind of client, um, how have you evolved as a client? Oh, I'm such a great client. Yeah. Um, who I used to be was very skeptical. Um, I was always right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I... I, you know, rational, reasonable, you know, the lawyer, um, I could, I could 
poke a hole in anything. And I was also very defensive, very sensitive. So I was, you know, that's why when I think Steve saying yes to coach me, it's kind of like he had to be crazy. But he he never gave up. And the he, he would he would say really great things. Listen, you're a healthy skeptic, Melissa. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would want to just like beat the shit out of myself. No, I'm not. I'm horrible. And And so over time... I learned how to be coached and I learned how to hear something and take it in and not hurt my feelings with it and treat it as the gold that it was and use it. And now most of my coaching, because I've got such a great relationship with my coach, it's let me tell you the story and then I'm going to be quiet. Tell me what you hear and just tell me what you hear or um, sometimes now I'll, I'll start down the path of the story. I know it's my thinking, so what? And I'll just get stopped and pointed in another direction. So now I look forward to it and I like learning. And this is another big thing. I learned how to be wrong. There's so much, so much freedom and so much possibility in being wrong. And it doesn't, I, and I used to avoid that at all costs. I, I didn't want to be wrong. It was embarrassing. It meant I was stupid. It meant all these things, all these things I thought it meant. But no, it's just this opportunity. Someone's going to give me another idea and it might spark something for me. Yeah, and I get really fascinated around this. It's like I often say, um, I'm way more fascinated by the strength of somebody's conviction than the content of it, you know? Because <laughs> yeah. I, I have to wonder, why on earth would you hire a coach unless you're willing to think differently and see things differently. I mean, why? just don't waste your money if you want to hire a coach and then grip onto your current way of seeing things. To me, that just doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. But, you know, fear doesn't make any sense. No. Um, the, one of the coolest things I heard when I was up in Laconner listening to um, George and Linda Pransky and Barb Patterson was George, he said, you know, every problem is created, so it's insoluble. <laughs> and I had to look up insoluble because I thought it was insolvable, I, you know, whatever. But I thought, gosh, he's right, you know, because that's the nature of a problem. Yeah. It's constructed so it's airtight. You can't break the case. This is what it is. And people are convicted when they stand by their problems. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. I love that. Yeah. So you mentioned a bit about fear. What are you currently mm -hmm. what are you currently scared of in your practice? Well, you know, the thinking of I can't, it'll show up again, but I don't feel gripped by it. And I'm very aware uh, it's it's just old thought. So when it comes in and I experience it, um, it's just it, for me now it's more of a reminder I'm human. Mm -hmm. And then what I'll, I'll do is I'll just shift back into, so who's the next person I'm going to help? Or what am I going to do that um, I'd be afraid to do, but I'm now just going to go do it because I'm still going to be alive and it might actually impact someone. It might help somebody. Um, so in my own practice, it it's, the, the fear is a lot less. And I've also done this long enough to know the ups and downs of an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial life. And that when um, there's less money coming in, it's not a sign of anything other than the ebb and flow of something. And I just keep my head in this place of who's next and who's the next person I'm going to help. What am I going to do? Who am I going to talk to? So that's what I can tell you. Um, a lot less fooled by fearful thinking around my business. I mean, is there something, probing a bit here, is there something that you still see as, yeah, that's still, that's still a challenge for me? Hmm. I think a challenge for me still is having a broader 
clearer, bigger version of what it means to serve. That w- that's the next place that I'm stepping into. So as a coach that's been coaching professionally for almost 10 years, what's the next version of me in terms of who I'm going to be as I serve? Uh, you know, what does that look like? Like earlier you were asking me, so how has your coaching changed or what's changed for you? So service is about my coaching continuing to improve. Um, Sometimes it's about not saying yes to working with someone unless it looks a particular way. You know, it's a, a certain length or we're doing certain things. So for me, it's just, it's this ongoing uh, understanding. I like to say a deepening and a broadening of my understanding of what it means to make an impact and help people. So that's where I'm at. And it's more of my intuition that's guiding me and moving me in that direction. And I can't really tell you what it looks like, except what I've known for myself over these years is that my uh, up-leveling of my business and my... um, being able to create more clients and uh, create a bigger income and making a difference with people has all come from growing myself inside of this concept of what does service mean to me? Yeah, beautiful. It's one of the most beautiful things about this profession as well, isn't it? That we get Mm -hmm. to grow and evolve with our clients. I mean, I don't know about you, but I guess it's the same. You know, a year ago, maybe two years ago, but even a year ago, I had no idea that it would be like it is now. Yeah, and I love absolutely. That. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. And and I'm so grateful for how it's impacted my personal life. Yeah. You know, in terms of my relationship with my husband and what it means to be, uh, a, a, to have adult children, and not have my, you know, not be in their lives, but being here and and invited into their lives when they want to invite me in. So yeah, it's just, it's made such a difference in all areas of my life. And and it's, it's exciting. I can't wait for what's next. Melissa, this time has flown by, absolutely flown by. I've loved this conversation. Um, she's got a couple more questions for you. So, um, if you had a whole bunch of coaches in a room, that were perhaps in their first couple of years of their practice um, and yeah, really looking to get things moving, build up some momentum. And you just had a 30 second message for them. What might that be? Hmm. First thing I'd say to them is stay the path. Uh, you're going to hit some bumps. You're going to hit, you're going to um, have some experiences that you'll probably look back on and feel horrified by. You're not going to get what you want. You're going to get what you want. You're going to spend a lot of time trying to figure out what this is. Don't worry about that. It's all normal. If you're just willing to stay on this path of learning how to help somebody before they pay you, becoming a professional coach, um, as my 27-year-old daughter would tell me, then you've got this shit. You've got it. And that's what I would do. I would encourage them to find colleagues and uh, keep growing themselves, reading, get coached, do whatever they need to do, but just stay on the path and don't get off of it. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So for you personally, Melissa, what's the purpose of your coaching? Hmm. So, gosh, I've never been asked that. I'll just riff here. The purpose is for people to see that they don't need to be fixed. They're human. They have infinite power. What do they want to create? Ultimately, to get to, to, to be able to experience feeling alive and free and excited about their lives, regardless of what they're doing, whether they've just been, you know, elevated to a new position inside of an organization or they're an entrepreneur or they're uh, a business owner that's, they're having some concerns inside their business, whatever it is. It's to to get them to 
um, really see their own power, their own ability, their own creativity, and then I want to help them run with it. Beautiful. Thank you so much for your time, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Phil. Well, if you ever wanted an example of the power of shifting from trying to make money from coaching to being of service, Melissa is it. Her journey started around 1995 and she was struggling at the beginning just like most of us. She spent 12 years creating workshops but not filling them until she made that shift under the very wise guidance of Mr. Steve Chandler, of course. I love Melissa's commitment to continue to expand and grow, knowing that as she grows, her business grows. She said the more comfortable she's become with herself, the more compassionate, less focused on herself. That has totally changed her coaching. And of course, being coached, having someone shine a light on her and ask her, what about this? All that has helped her become more honest, direct, and of course, loving. I think you can sense that. And that little snippet, you can't skip your evolution. Melissa has certainly evolved and continues to do so. I loved her honesty in all of that. What have you heard and got from this episode? I'd love to hear from you either by making direct contact or joining the Facebook Coaching Life podcast group. And once again, if you are enjoying this podcast, please pop along to iTunes and leave a brief, honest review. It will take you less than a minute and help other people to find this and get an opportunity to enjoy these conversations too. Thank you once again for listening. And until next time, I wish you much love and joy.